To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. No, I probably had COVID like 74 times. I have no clue and I don't care. Everybody likes Blanche. Because Blanche was a pig who took it. Did you smell your poop? Did you learn anything? Did you read about the dog story? What the f*** is my ex-girlfriend who I despise calling me? A lot to blame on the news. It's a lot to blame on Anthony Fauci, that Italian leprechaun. Almost like it never existed, but it fucking did. So do me a favor. Go f*** yourself. JairPositiveSarcasm.com will hear the despair part soon. Find me on Instagram, Facebook, Minds, Gab, AI. Uh, 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 sessions? Wisdom. Wisdom and positive sarcasm. I haven't even used it. I'm just, I'm just on there. But if you want to find me, I'm on there. Uh, hit me up uh, through my website, positivesarcasm.com. Go to the contact section. You can easily find me through there. If you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Uh, if you want to just email me directly, go to positivesarcasm at outlook.com. Why am I uh, wearing this hat? You guys know I'm a former Yankees fan. I know this red hat. I look like that Covington school kid, um, Nick Sandman. Shout out to Nick Sandman, who's like a who's worth like a billion dollars right now. Um, wearing this LA Dodgers hat because R.I.P. Vin Scully. If you don't know who Vin Scully is, strongly uh, urge you to like go on YouTube and look up Vin Scully. Now I'll just give you his brief uh, his brief uh, normal you know thingy. Was an American, he was a sportscaster for the L.A. Dodgers, calling uh, many, many, many Major League Baseball games, beginning in 1950 when the franchise was located in Brooklyn, because it used to be the Brooklyn Dodgers, which would actually be a pretty cool hat to have. That's when Jackie Robinson, uh, one of the first black ball players to uh, make his debut in the Major Leagues. Uh, he was on the Dodgers. Brooklyn Dodgers. Scully's tenure with the Dodgers was the longest of any broadcaster with a single team in professional sports history. His second only Tommy Lasueda. Uh, let's see. In his final season behind the microphone, Scully announced most Dodgers home games and selected road games on Sportsnet LA. He was known for his distinctive voice. Ball one to Abreu. High fly ball gone. Didn't really. He didn't really go low. He didn't go high. He was just kind of like right there in the middle. Uh, it's time for Dodger baseball. Everybody and have a very pleasant good evening. Wherever you may be. He was considered to be one of the, one of the greatest broad, baseball broadcast, kind of what he sounded like, one of the greatest broadcasters of all time, according to fan rankings, Bleacher Report, blah, blah, blah. Nationally televised football, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he was awesome. He was cool. And he, you know what? He was a very pleasant interview. Just a very pleasant guy overall and really did enjoy his time. I just seemed like this is what I do. I love doing it. Not going to change my tone. Um, didn't really comment too much on other things he just played the game or not played the game he just talked about the game only cared about the game and that was it till 90 lived 94 years seen many many playoffs world series it's been there for all of it it's pretty awesome so you know you gotta give kudos to somebody who found their passion in life and really just wrote it to their literally to their grave so shout out to him a true american success story uh, uh so yeah get that out of the way 
Um, I have a spending habit problem, as as you guys know. But uh, I think it's okay. I think nowadays it's justified to buy more alcohol. I bought a bottle. Did you know that, well, pretty much every celebrity nowadays makes booze? I didn't know that um, Dale Earnhardt Jr., I think his wife as well, or girlfriend, or whatever the freak her name was, they make a vodka called, like, Hard Rock or something like that. It's, like, 88 proof, which is, like, 44% alcohol, which is pretty good. But nowadays it's, like, all right, you go to the liquor store. The stuff that used to be top shelf is, like, towards, like, the middle-ish shelf, middle-lower shelf. And stuff that used to be middle shelf is on the very, very bottom. There is so much good quality booze and good quality wine and just good quality spirits overall out there. You know, and right now, like, the big, like, hullabaloo as far as, like, if you're going to spend money on booze, the one place I would probably steer clear of is, well, is actually just bourbon. Like, when you go and spend money on bourbon, if you want to get, like, a middle shelf, and I don't mean, like, Jim Beam and Jack Daniels, it's, ugh, that's just fight music, okay? Um, I'll have a bottle of Marilyn Manson, please. It's really just fight music. It basically, that stuff is where Jose Cuervo used to be, like, Jose Cuervo um, International, which is actually a very good tequila. Where do you find it? Very bottom shelf. And it's actually a good tequila. Not the regular tequila, which is a special. No, it is not a special. It is a garbage. Um, so, the, yeah, the bourbons are like $30, $40. Uh, whereas, like, American whiskey, 10 bucks. But to be perfectly honest with you, like, Seagram 7 or, like, VO or VO Gold. You know what's funny? I, find, I don't know. I don't understand this. Can somebody explain this to me? Seagram 7 is an American whiskey, but Seagram's VO is Canadian whiskey, and Seagram's VO is also Canadian whiskey. So I don't get it. Is there is there something I'm missing? I thought Seagram I thought all Seagram's was Canadian. So apparently Seagram 7 is American and Seagram's VO is Canadian. I'm going to have to look this is Let me look this up actually. Um let's see. Is Seagram's American or Canadian? Let's see. I gotta, I gotta know. Let's see. Come on, come on, come on. Seagrams. All right, let's see here. The Seagram Company, which traded as Seagrams, was a, was a Canadian multinational conglomerate for blah blah blah. Originally, a distillery of Canadian whiskey based in Waterloo. Uh, it was once the largest owner of the alcohol beverage. Towards the end of its independent existence, it was also controlled. Seagram's later imploded with its beverage assets wholesaled off to various industry titans. Coca-Cola. Wow. Was sold to media Seagram's. The balance of C of Universal Entertainment Empire and was and what was Seagram's was sold to a Flint a French conglomerate, Vivendi, in 2000. So, oh, okay. Legacy. The Seagram name survives today in various well-known drinks. Seagram 7 Crown used to make the American cocktail 7 and 7, which is a good drink, produced by Diageo, Diageo, while Seagram's VO is produced by Sazerac. Several brands of coolers are produced under the Seagram name as of 2022. Seagram's Escapes, Genovese Brewing for the American... Okay, so Genesee 
so it's like Seagram's is all blown up. So let me see. So let me look this up. So seven and okay. So Die Diageo. How the fuck do you say that? D I D I A G O E O <laughs> is a multinational beverage alcohol company with its headquarters in London, England. Uh, it operates uh, blah, blah, blah. its largest distiller being overtaken by Kwai Chow Muatai of China is a major distributor. Its leading brands include Johnny Walker, Guinness, Smirnoff, Bailey's, Captain Morgan, and Tangeray. Uh, Diageo's prom- it's it's on the London Stock Exchange, which means you can buy sh- shares in it. Sh- shares in it. Um, it also owns Pillsbury into until the the year 2000. In the year 2000, it was sold to General Mills. They also sold Burger King. Holy shit. Um, they signed a joint venture with Tequila, a brand Jose Cuervo, to buy Don Julio. What? This fucking place is... This thing is insane. They also agreed to sell Bushmills Iris Whiskey to Jose Cuervo in exchange for $408 million. And full ownership... This is in 2014, which is one of my favorite tequilas. Diageo? How do you say it? Oh, that doesn't help me. I A in bad, Diageo, Diageo, whatever. They agreed in 2014. They agreed to sell Bushmills Irish whiskey to Jose Cuervo in exchange for 408 million dollars and full ownership of Don Julio Tequila. So this brand, which owns Seagram's, Seagram Seven, which is the bottom shelf American whiskey also owns Don Julio Tequila. Um, what else are they? Charlotte Winnie, okay, Vineyards. In March 2016, they sold Gramagnier uh, to the Italian beverage company Campare, which is gross. They, they announced plans to open a Guinness brewery, okay. In 2017, the Casamigos Tequila brand uh, launched in 2000. Okay, so they also own Casamigos Tequila. They, uh, in November 18th, they agreed to sell Seagram's VO, okay, Seagram's 83, Myers Rump, good rum, Papa Vodka, Booth's Gin, Goldschlager, Yukon Jack, uh, and Sambuca, and 11 other brands to Sazerac Company for $550 million. All right, that's enough of that silliness. So, what's their brands? Okay, and we'll, okay Canadian, American Whiskey, Bullet. Seagram Seven Crown and George Dickel. All right, so now who does Sazerac own? Is Sazerac the other company? Um, privately held American alcoholic beverage company, which okay, da 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 da, and Gold Ring, blah blah blah. They operate nine distilleries, had two thousand employees, operated in one hundred twelve countries. Okay. Annual revenue of about $1 billion. Uh, made from selling about 300 mostly discount brands. <laughs> All right. Let's look at the history here. Um, okay. Acquisitions. All right. Let's go to 2009. Um, let's see what kind of booze they own. Hmm. Tequila, 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 tequila. Yep. 
1992, Sazerac acquired George Stagg Distillery in Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Kentucky, at which the company's primary focus became the production of bourbon whiskey, a product that uh, primarily distilled, aged, and bottled in Kentucky, later changing its name to Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace in 1989. Okay. Um, They acquired – in 1989, they acquired several brands from Seagram. Uh, Let's see. Crown Russ, Dr. McGillicuddy's, which includes the Fireball Whiskey, and Eagle Rare. And then what else? Barton's, Old Taylor's. Okay. Let's see. In 2011, they entered into an agreement with Corby Distilleries to purchase 17 Corby-owned brands, including McGinnis Canadian Whiskey, Red Tassel Vodka, De Kuypers. Uh, what else? Mm, Ryan's, Firewater Schnapps, Barbarossa, Box Blend, okay, Mount Royal Canadian Whiskey, Sazerac. They um, acquired several more brands from the White Rock Distillery, including Baja Tequila, which is good. Tanya Vodka, Epic Vodka, Superior Vodka, Stroiska Vodka, El Charo Tequila, Blackmaker Root Beer Liquor, and Chocolate Valley Wines. They, in 2012, they got Garangala. They bought a distillery in 2013, including blah, blah, blah. The name of the distillery was cha- later changed to Boston Brands. The Mr. Boston line of brands is distilled there. So they own that. They own Mr. Boston, basically. They acquired Michael Collins, which is an Irish whiskey. They added Van Gogh Imports. Um, 2016, Southern Comfort. Holy shit. Let's see. Uh, free vodka. In 2018, they would acquire 19 brands from Diageo, including Seagram's VO, Canadian whiskey, and Goldschlager cinnamon schnapps. Uh, let's see. Early town. So, Seagram's... So, let's see. Seagram's VO. Is that American or Canadian? VO. VO, 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 VO. Can't tell. Oh, Brand Seagram's Canadian 83, Canadian whiskey. Not sure. I mean, I have a bottle of it here. It's supposedly Canadian whiskey, but maybe it's not even... I'm pretty sure it's made in Canada still. I'm still have a boycott going with Canadian Canadian products. But if it's a American product now and it's owned by an American company... Hmm. Hmm. And it's funny. It's like Seagram's 7 is like $9.99. Seagram's VO is like... I think the same price, and Seagram's, Seagram, yeah, Seagram's V and Seagram's VO Gold is like sixteen bucks. It's like the cheapest shit, and it's actually very, it's actually really good. So there's that. So I own, let's let's see. So all like the high end brands, like middle shelf, like because there's so many independent makers out there. There's so many independent distilleries that are out there right now making all kinds of crazy shit and very good products. So it's just flooding. It's amazing. It's a, it's a capitalistic uh, haven of just distillery upon distillery, everybody making their own shit, and it's just flooding the shelves uh, of these liquor stores, and we get the best fucking liquor stores in the state of New Hampshire. I mean, they are the best. They are churches. So, they um, they are just flooded with all kinds. Like, the wine selections are absolutely insane. So, the amount of shit that you I mean, Pinot Grigio, Chardonnay's, uh, 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 you know, every, every region, every country, everybody gets their own section. There's a whole section for sangrias, 
We got the little liquor stores. We got the ones right off the highways, which are gigantic. Um, my biggest, the one I is sometimes you, if you really want to get a full selection, you got to go to the state liquor stores that are off the highway. Cause sometimes it's really hard to find things like Vouvray, which is like a French dessert wine, um, which is paired, which pairs very well with fruit. And it's hard. Like I can find it in a Northampton one, but I can't find it in like the Summersworth one or, uh, you know, like the Portsmouth one or whatever. So it's kind of a hard, it's, it's harder to find, but not a lot of companies make a Vouvray, which is specifically a French wine. Um, I usually keep a bottle of it around cause it's very, very, it's a very good pair. Even though I have, I just bought another bottle of Moscato, which I, I don't, I'm just like, whatever. I, I don't have a bottle of Moscato, so I'll just throw it in there. I'm literally buying alcohol for the apocalypse. So when like the shit hits the fan and everybody raids the liquor stores and the grocery stores and the home Depot and raids everything, there's nothing left. And I am literally, I am legend. I have all the booze. That's it. Like Bill Gates will control all the farmlands. I will have all the alcohol. So, and I will apparently have all the pork loin because my other buying problem besides V-necks is I go to every weekend, I will go to specific food stores and I look for, um, what do you call it? Like discounted, really discounted uh, meat products. And generally pork is high on the list or ground beef or whatever. And every week there is something there. It's a fucking steal. Like imagine getting a pork loin for a, a full pork loin for a dollar ninety-five, or getting gr- a whole like getting like three or four pounds of ground beef back in the day, which is net, which was like three for like three dollars and fifty cents. It's like just throw it in the freezer. And I've got three different freezers. I got a tur- I still have a fucking turkey that I bought from like ten months ago in my sister's freezer. Um, I'm probably just going to be like, I'm probably just going to donate it to Thanksgiving and be like, yeah, there's this turkey there. Just use that one. I mean, we're literally like, it's August. We're th- what? August, September, October, November. So we're f- basically four months away. I could just be like, oh, there's a turkey in the freezer. Use that one. <laughs> okay. We can marinate it for like four months and then throw it in the oven. Oh, that's so good. I don't play so good. Um, sausage, pork. Uh, chicken sausage, ground beef, whatever it is. If it's cheap, I grab it. Um, so I'm, I'm just loading up because I don't know what energy prices, how energy prices are going to go up. What, how is it going to, what I don't, I don't know. So I'm better off just doing all of it now while the prices are cheap. And since I have the space, I might as well buy the shit. Um, and I do that. Like I said, I've, I've said before on this podcast, I do it every like literally every weekend. And if I don't have, if I, if it's not there, then I don't have to buy it. Cause I got tons of shit. So, um, it's all, and Hey, you know what? My dog loves it. Cause he gets fucking plenty of treats. He is passed the fuck out because he was at the beach today. He was in the park. He was at the doggy park. He was, uh, hanging out in the shade. He was just everywhere. Several walks, like drove everywhere. Uh, but then again, when I went inside, I left the car running with the AC blasting. So he was super comfy. And right now he's just laying in a gigantic love sack right now. He is completely, is he breathing? Oh yeah, he's alive. Completely dead though. Just out, completely out. And it's fucking adorable. Like I'm just looking over the top of my laptop and I just, I just see him. He is the fucking most adorable thing right now. 
I wish I had another little camera I could just hit open and just show you what he looks like. But um, yeah, he's amazing. So yeah, we went everywhere today. Uh, but yeah, I bought even more meat. I bought more pork loin, threw them in the freezer. Well, some are in the fridge. So I'm going to definitely make some of those later. Um, as far as like pork loin, how you prepare it. Um, there's a couple ways you can do it. If you have a grill, you can throw it on the grill. If you want to like, uh, if you want to pan sear it really quickly, you just pick, you know, one side for one minute, one side for another minute on high heat, and then just throw it in the oven. That way all the juices will stay inside of it. Or you can just slow cook it at like 275. Pork loin will never do you wrong. It's super, super easy. Um, and what's cool is this place in Portsmouth that I go to, um, has a lot of generally they're like marinated in like all kinds of crazy stuff. So, and it's always delicious. And like I said, it's pork loin is very lean. It's very, very lean. Now, is it your, now if, when it comes to meats, is it your ultimate go-to as far as like what you should take for? No, 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 believe me, red meat and like fish, um, are generally, if you want to really be lean and have a little more power during your workouts or whatever, um, that would be my go-to but you know right now it's just like get while the getting's good and whatever it is take advantage of it um so there, there is that uh that being said uh as far as like other things i wanted to talk about i got a few things that i want to talk about today as far as uh apps that invade your privacy um u.s foreign aid policy instagram review q a and then we just went over uh booze which is weird um, let's see. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the WHO and the state of New York and uh, the CDC has declared monkeypox a public health emergency. It's like, well, whatever. I don't fuck dudes, so I don't give a shit. Uh, moving on besides that, and even if you do fuck dudes, uh, it's not going to kill you. So don't even worry about it. Um, talked about Vin Scully. I did want to um, address – so there was a thing. It was like a brief – because the news cycle right now is out of fucking control so you can't keep up with it so recently um there was an announcement that an additional an additional 40 billion dollars would go to the ukraine it's like okay 40 billion dollars could have used that here I mean, like, okay, so is $40 billion a, a lot of money if you were to divide it among Americans? I mean, okay, maybe not. So let's see. Let's do, uh, let's see, can I do this? Four, zero, zero, so it's 400, 4,000, 40,000, 400,000, 4 million, 40 million, 400 million, 4 billion. 40 billion divided by let's just say 350 million 350 let's see 350,000 that's 35,000 350,000 3.5 35 350 equals so if you divide it among Americans it really does get piddled down it's 114 bucks in one felt swoop. So if you just said, cancel that, we're not doing giving you a 40 billion, which is give it to the American people, every single citizen would get 114 bucks. Okay. Or if you give it to the 99%, I don't know. But I'm, like I said, every citizen would get 114 bucks. Okay. No big deal. However, 
if you were to combine the additional 70 billion that the IRS just got in funding. So if you have that, that's another 200. So now we're at 300 bucks. We're at an average of about $300 to every American. If you canceled the 40 billion that went to the Ukraine and another $79 billion that went to the IRS for funding, you're now at like 300 bucks, uh, uh, 300 bucks an American. So that's a waste of money. Let's see. However, we give out a lot of foreign aid, a lot of foreign aid. So the question is, and I, ha I grabbed two articles to give it, get an idea. Where does our money go? Because the last time I checked, especially lately, it's not going back into the consumer's pocket. It's not going back into the into a U.S. citizen's pocket. It seems to be going to all kinds of other crazy places. So let's go ahead and take a look at this list, a couple lists that I found here, and see if we can get some outrage going. So uh, this one is from HowMuch.net, and then I got another one here from SpendMeNot.com. And then we'll see if this is accurate. And these may not even be the, the latest and greatest. These may be from 2016. It may be an average. But just to give you an idea, over the last couple of years, where all this money went, and then all of everything, why did, we, why did we give them this money? Well, let's just take a look here. So there's a lot of countries on this list. Uh, we, compile, this, we compiled data from the United States Agency for International Development, USAID, for 2016, the last year which numbers were available. USAID keeps track of how much money. This is about, okay, so we're going to base this off 2016. Apparently, these numbers are no longer available. What activities were spent it on and why? We changed the proportions of the world map to represent the countries receiving the most money, the larger, okay, the period the more money receives. We also color-coded each one according to the blah, blah, blah. First off, you can see a large, large red countries in the Middle East, where U.S. spends billions of dollars a year to reduce conflict, maintain peace, and promote stability. I'm sure that's the case. Uh, this is because foreign aid tends to follow U.S. troop deployments. In fact, the number one and number two recipients of aid, Iraq and Afghanistan, remain major theaters of combat, not anymore, uh, for hundreds of soldiers. Israel, the third highest recipient. Uh, capital of Israel is $3.1 billion. Okay. Yeah, because we're notoriously uh, supporters of Israel. I'm not going to argue with that one right now. Like, you can go. There's a lot of people I listen to that are on both sides of the fence when it comes to, like, Ben Shapiro. And then there's Jimmy Dore. So they're like, why we – it's like, okay, I'm not going there. I'm talking specifically about the amount of money that we send overseas. The second obvious trend – uh, medium-sized countries, American expenditures, African countries like Kenya and Ethiopia. Kenya, which is a very developed, very big developing nation, taken as a whole, these countries acquires an account for 7.2 billion in expenses. The third most expensive category is for emergency situations like earthquakes and floods, totaling 6. billion. Uh, the total budget, so. At first glance, when you read the U.S. is sending billions of dollars to other countries, it seems like a ton of wasted money. The total budget for USAID in 2016 that we've accounted for here represents $36.1 billion. Is that a lot of money for an economy with a GDP of $19.5 trillion? What if you consider uh, that President Trump's budget for the Defense Department alone costs $639 billion? If these expenditures prevent future conflicts and keep people from starving, perhaps it's money well spent. Okay. All right. Well, with, here's the thing. This was before he took office. So let's just go ahead and take a look at these numbers. And I'm not I'm not doing that on that road. I'm looking at these numbers. This is before 2016, okay, that these that these funds 
which are probably still going to them. Iraq. What's that? 281. $5,281,179,000. Afghanistan. $5 billion. Israel. 3.1. Egypt. 1.2. Jordan. 1.2. Kenya. 1.1. Ethiopia, 1.1. Syria, 916 million. Pakistan, 770 million. Uganda, 741 million. All these fucking places got money from us. Why? Let's keep going. So, let's see. The United States sends billions of dollars overseas for a variety of different reasons. Are these like a bunch of countries? Pakistan got $777 million. We literally killed, like, the world's most wanted terrorist that we armed <laughs> in their own country. This makes no fucking sense. You know what's funny is a lot of the clothes I buy now, now that I don't buy from China, uh, China, I haven't gotten one made in Pakistan. It's all, like, Bangladesh and freaking Malaysia. But I haven't gotten anything from Pakistan. So if they're not making my V-necks, why are we sending them money? So that's one thing. So there's how much is this right here? There's, let's see, so this here, the, the, the total budget for USAID in 2016 we accounted for represents $36.1 billion. So $36.1 billion. We just sent, this is back in 2016, before inflation went through the fucking roof. So now, over the last few years, um, is this, now, is this for mapping the last year in which the numbers were available? My question is, is this each year? Made us wonder how much and where the money is going. So create a new visual. Is it, and the question is, is, is this something we're doing each year? There's a lot of fucking money. 36 billion, 30 what? 36.1 billion dollars. First glance, the total budget for US aid in 2016. So just in 2016 or the 2015 number, excuse me, was $36 billion. $36 billion, let's just round up probably from due to inflation, $40 billion a year. $40 billion that doesn't go to go to the American, doesn't go to, to American citizens, goes somewhere else. To countries that maybe we invaded for no fucking reason whatsoever. Or for whatever reason. So there's that. And then as far as spendmenot.com, U.S. foreign aid is huge. Do you know if the U.S. current, okay. The foreign aid system was established in 1961. We prepared an infographic. Let's see if there's any different. Okay, so Haiti. So let's we got other countries here. So Haiti gets 368. What? This can't be right. No, that's right. So Haiti gets 368 million, 968 thousand dollars. Mexico gets 330.5 million. Guatemala gets 178 million. Honduras gets 112 million. El Salvador, 110 million. Dominican Republic, 66 million. Nicaragua, 42 million. Jamaica, 30 million. Panama, 23 million. Canada, what the fuck is Canada getting money for us from? 23 million dollars. South America, 570 million goes to Colombia. Peru, 163. Ecuador, 48. Brazil, 37. Venezuela, which is falling apart, 31. Paraguay, 21. Bolivia, 21. Guyana, 9. Argentina, 7. Chile, 4. They make good wine in Chile. Okay, here's fucking Europe. Ukraine. This is These numbers were before the shit show. 
Ukraine got 423.5 million dollars. Russia got Russia got 274.7. Georgia, what the fuck are we giving money to Georgia for? They got 163.7. Turkey got 120. Bosnia got 58. Kosovo got 58. Moldova got 43. Armenia got 43. Azerbaijan got 39. Serbia got 35. Oceanic countries, they got a bunch of there's a bunch of, uh, see, Micronesia, 120, Marshall Islands, 83, Palau, Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, Vanuatu, Fiji, Tonga, Samoa, New Zealand got $350,000. Asian countries, holy shit. Afghanistan, $7.4 billion. What the fuck? I don't get it. African countries, Egypt got one point two. Okay. So that's, the process is held by the United States Agency for uh, USA, an independent agency, which we discussed. It's not, the only agency, it's not the only agency that disperses foreign assistance to other countries. The Department of the State, U.S. military, Peace Corps, countless other government agencies involved in the process. It includes direct funding, delivery of goods, technical assistance, educational programming, and health care for foreign governments. It also covers the maintenance of foreign militaries and security forces and local businesses and humanitarian groups, international organizations such as the United Nations and other non-governmental organizations. Since the program has started, the U.S. contributed billions of dollars in foreign aid and humanitarian aid. The United States is currently the largest donor of food aid in the world. Did you also know that? Asia receives almost $20 billion from the U.S. annually. Israel, most consistent, $146 billion since, since it was founding. The U.S. spends between $40 and $50 billion on foreign aid annually. Over 30,000 jobs have been created in, as a result of the U.S. aid to Haiti. Just Haiti. Afghanistan re- 2012, Afghanistan re- received $13.5 billion. Imagine that. Here, hey country, hey hey country, insert country here. I'm gonna give you thirteen billion dollars. Can you be a country now? Nope. Okay. Ten years later, bye. And you get that picture of the freaking the jets taking off and people hanging off the fucking landing gears and falling off in mid takeoff. That's what you get. Thirteen billion dollars, and the next thing of a country we did. I don't know why we've. Yeah, we invaded, but it's like we were there for 20 fucking years. Europe has the largest number of countries that don't receive U.S. foreign aid. Ukraine receives over a quarter of aid slated for Europe. Gee, wonder why. Hunter Biden. Excuse me. Cough. Sip of water. What countries receive foreign aid from the United States? Europe. Europe is the uh, continent with the largest percentage of countries that frequently don't receive foreign aid from the U.S. Europe as a whole receives 1.6 billion per year. Only Ukraine breaks a half a billion barrier. Uh, not this year. Ukraine receives an average of 420 million dollars in foreign aid every fucking year. Russia receives. Wow, Jesus fuck. What other information is there? Um. So, $40 billion, and they want to increase the budget of, of what? They got another spending bill going through, not solving anything. The price of gas is up $1.52 from where it was um, basically two years ago. Food prices are up. Energy prices have doubled. 
Inflation's through the roof. It's the it's the most money we've ever spent for no fucking reason whatsoever. And what's the what is the what's the purpose of all that? So that Nancy Pelosi can get fucking bigger tits? It makes absolutely no sense why we spend this much money and yet have you ever heard the expression throwing money at the problem? It doesn't work. Takes a lot more than that. It takes like a proper education. It takes like a proper culture. And the fact that we're just throwing billions upon billions of dollars to foreign countries, we can't fix our inner cities. We can't, we can't uh, get the national debt. The national debt, like that, forget it. That's that's beyond savable at this point. Inner cities, fucked. School system, fucked. Infrastructure, fucked. Healthcare, fucked. Your rights, getting rid of them each and every fucking day. Energy sector, fucked. So what are they doing? What's their, I mean, how much are we spending to be in the United Nations? How much are we giving to the WHO, who basically led us astray this entire time for the fucking pandemic? How much do we, are we giving uh, uh, Davos and that fucking supervillain there, uh, Klaus Schwab? You have owned nothing and you will be happy. So who owns it then? If I own nothing, who owns it? Nobody? Nobody owns it? It's just a fucking free-for-all? That makes no sense to me whatsoever. It sounds like... Like when the 2008, 2009, 2007, 2008, 2009 housing market crisis and basically the stock market basically collapsed for uh, a lot. Um, there was some bailouts. And... Like 900 million of like a 1.1 billion dollar loan, I believe it's like AIG or another one of these uh, security firms. 900 million of it went as a bonus to like the fucking CEO or the CFO or whatever. So it makes you wonder if that's just a billion dollars, what the hell is this other money doing? It just, it's. It's so hard to track at this point, and it makes it makes me so nihilistic about what has happened since the beginning of when we signed the Constitution. What we meant—I mean, obviously, uh, basically, with uh, at this point where we came from to where we are now. I mean, it is amazing that you know we have electricity and we have paved roads and we have you know instant noodles, but at the same time, I'm sitting to you. Uh, I'm sitting here talking to you. Uh, saying shit that would make me sound insensitive or be considered a microaggression or the fact that I have a Betsy Ross flag, a custom Betsy Ross flag, according to the FBI, that's that makes me an extremist. I bet you if you talk to any of the people who signed the U.S. Constitution or the Declaration of Independence, any of the founding fathers, they'd all be considered extremists as well. You, know, you have to be pretty fucking extreme. You have to be pretty goddamn crazy to be like, you know what? We're going to go over here and we're going to start our own country. And then, you know, 200 years later, we're going to separate from you. And if you try to come over here, we're going to fight you. And then you're going to come over here and try to do it again. And we're going to fight you again. Sounds like a pretty fucking crazy idea. But those extremists pulled it off. We are the descendants of extremists. Imagine that. Well, some of you are the descendants of Jews who survived the Holocaust. Some of you are descendants of slaves. Some of you are descendants of Native Americans who were basically driven out of their out of their uh, out of their lands and murdered. So, I mean, take it for what you will. 
but a lot of us i'm not i'm also i'm the descendants of jews who escaped uh you know ukraine and uh the italians and the jews who left from world war ii before they were slaughtered by the germans but that being said a lot of you descendants of extremists the pilgrims how fucked out is that so i don't know it's weird it's weird there's no way to segue out of it so we're just going to segue out of it i can just tell you this in short, Ukraine just got $40 billion. It didn't go to you. You got a $1,200 check. The IRS just got $70 billion in funding. So they can audit you more. You got a $600 check. And in total, $36 billion, probably $40 billion now. Who knows who's counting anymore? Apparently not the U.S. government. Goes overseas for whatever reason to all these countries that you don't buy shit from. Or maybe you do, or maybe you don't, but you don't fucking know. Whether you vote for it or not, doesn't matter. It goes over there. And all you got out of it was 4 and 5 and $6 gas prices. And if you own a diesel car, <laughs> you don't have a wallet anymore. You might as well just take your wallet and throw it in the dumpster. Because you're not going to need it because you fucking can't afford shit. Anyways, let's move on to some weirder stuff and we'll close up a shop with some Q&A. Um, so basically, uh, for the last like three or four years, this is a perfect definition of... Um, my life. Basically, this guy got tangled up in his parachute and was able to save it last minute. freaking crazy one second left and he was going to be fucking pancaked one second left pancaked i mean that to me that just represents my my whole goddamn life like just everything grinding up until the very last minute and then able to pull something off that manages to help me land on my feet so i thought that was nice let's get to some funnier shit though to the end here. Tough words are coming out. Drotar. No fucking idea what that thing is. He's going to give it his best shot. Oh, guess he wasn't as smart as everybody thought he was, huh? Wow. Misfire. Kid in the background knows it. And there's been a little bit of shit talking throughout this. As you can see, clapping his hands right in his face. He doesn't give a fuck. And just like that, let's listen in. And taking his sweet old time, Peter. He looks a little nervous. Probably doesn't help that his mother's holding up a machete just in case he gets this one wrong. Oh, God, he missed it. That is going to be a brutal ride home. I'll tell you that much. And we can see here his father preparing the adoption papers as we speak. Oh, life's tough, kid. Learn the fucking hard way and take a seat. Good news is he's still building a spaceship in his backyard. <laughs> and his kid. Oh, it's fucking funny. Uh, last one was uh, sent to me by request. Um, McDojo Life. So, first of all, if you follow, please 
follow Bob Menery. Um, he had he used to have the Full Send podcast. Um, I don't know what happened, to he, but follow Bob Menery. He's got a few podcasts. He's a great interview, great interviewer, uh, and he just does this funny ass shit on Instagram. Uh, McDojo Life basically essentially calls out uh, fake ass like martial arts experts, and this one sent to me is actually is definitely no different. Very light touch, just one gram of pressure. Because it's correct, not because it's light. Light is just light. Or, he's so powerful, oh, he crushes me. I use, not light, I use heavy. I use heavy. Very heavy. Or very light. I use very slow. Imagine being a fucking dork in that class who actually spent money to actually go there and watch this B-rate movie actor move this dude around from the comfort of his fucking casting couch. My buddy who sent me this literally could just go in there with a crowbar and beat the living shit out of all these nerdoramas. And this guy, look at him. He's wearing, what those, Alfani slippers? Is that what those things are? What a fucking dude. It looks like Gallagher's couch. Very slow. Doesn't matter how fast he wants to move. I use slow. Or I use very fast. Change. Not light, not heavy, not fast, not slow. Correct. Not incorrect. Slow. And also weak. Dude's got no mu- Fucking Jesus Christ. There are so many fake ass martial arts out there and just so many fake ass people altogether. so incorrect completely incorrect not a real martial art get your ass kicked anyways if you want to support this podcast go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate any amounts appreciated you can hit me up with my social media or you can go directly to my website positivesarcasm.com uh if you need posing music because you're a bodybuilder uh just go ahead and hit up some i got some customs on there i haven't done many customs in a while i should probably go ahead and try that out for a while um i used to make custom demos just like to throw up on the website and um so I could get an, people can get an idea of what I can blend together. And then the next thing you know, people just be like, hey, can you uh, make, make a cut for me? I'm like, sure. Next thing you know, I was number one on Google. Hmm. Anyways, let's close up shop some Q&A. We'll get the hell out of here. What do we have, 45 minutes? All right, not bad. Complained about fucking U.S. spending for about 25 minutes. And I looked up random things about alcohol. But then again. Whatever. Am I wrong for saying, okay, my, I'm a dad to a 14-year-old girl who plays on a high school level, high-level club basketball team. Ooh, club ball. And yesterday we were pulled aside by her coach who accused her of bullying another girl on the team. At first I was shocked because that's not like my daughter to behave that way. But when I dug deeper, I learned that she was trying to motivate one of the lazier girls on the team. My daughter is fiery and competitive but she's not a bully i played college basketball and i dealt with a lot of teammates who would get in my face when i wasn't performing if i wasn't performing well and i didn't complain about being bullied apparently my daughter has reduced this girl to tears on multiple occasions i've done the same thing but my kid just wants to win i feel like her teammate needs to toughen up a bit or else the real world will eat her alive my daughter is a great kid who gets along well with others but she's also very competitive nothing wrong with that 
I don't want her to change because I think she will become a great CEO one day. Am I wrong for thinking my daughter isn't the problem? Um, well, if here's the thing. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. If you are the most motivated, most talented person on the team, you might be on the wrong team. So I think just to, what you should do at this point is just move her up to a more aggressive ball club. If she's indeed one of the best players on the team, move her up to a team that has a higher level of skill so she can truly compete and then somebody can really get fire on her. If you want her to perform well and yet it truly is her thing, then at that point, move her up the ladder. And that way she won't – that's – that's it. If you see somebody who has a ton of talent and is really excelling at what they do, see how much farther they can go up the ladder before they start to level out. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, was there a life-size cardboard cut out of the rock in my bedroom to play and catch my sister lop snooping? At my house, okay, I'm my 32-year-old female SIL, sister-in-law, who's 43 years old, is super nosy. <coughs> Excuse me. At my house, the guest bathroom is partially shared with the master bedroom. Oh, Jesus. Basically, you can get into our bedroom through the bathroom without going through the main door. So when she comes over, she would sometimes take just a bit too long in the bathroom. During maybe the third or fourth time, I happened to be walking by the bathroom and heard two doors closed. I asked her if she was looking for something in the bedroom and if I could help her find it. She replied with, no, why would I go into your bedroom and then change the subject? The next time she was going to come over, I set something small behind the bedroom door so I could see if she had opened by the small item being pushed back. Later, I could see that it had been. So for me, confirming that she had been snooping again, I asked directly if she'd been in our bedroom. She said something like, I don't care what's in your bedroom, get over yourself. So yesterday, sister-in-law and brother-in-law came over. Before that, I ordered a full-size cutout of Dwayne Johnson, which I placed in our bedroom facing the ba bathroom door. About an hour into the visit, she headed in the bathroom. Very shortly after, there's a scream, a thud, and a door slam. She came out clearly angry. She had been quite startled and slammed her upper arm into the doorframe while turning away from the cutout. Brother-in-law made it worse by asking, why, the, why were you in their bedroom? <laughs> but she didn't answer, and they left. She posted on Facebook that she has a big bruise in her arm, and as a result of my nasty prank, people are saying she could have been hurt worse that she's too old to be the victim of a childish prank. I feel badly that she was hurt. It wasn't my intention, but she might. But I might be the asshole because I still think it is hilarious. It is fucking. <laughs> that is pretty fucking funny. Um, actually, the rock. That's funny shit. I mean, you could have just installed a security camera, but that's fine. The brother-in-law basically laid down the laid down the law there. Laid down the hammer. Um, so. She shouldn't have been in your room. She denied it multiple times, and then she was called out for it. So the cover-up is worse than the crime? First of all, she shouldn't be at your house anymore. That's just best. I mean, look, even family can do stupid shit, and your sister-in-law uh, clearly has done some stupid shit. Is your, is your sister-in-law S-I-L? Yeah, my sister-in-law is super nosy. Yep, and she fucked up, and she paid the price for it. Don't do it again. Um... I've been with my girlfriend for seven years and lived with her for four. Okay. She wants to get married and have kids. For the past three years, I've promised to propose every six months, but when the time comes, I back out. I even went ring shopping but couldn't pull out. But could, couldn't pull out. Jesus fucking. 
I went ring shopping but couldn't pull the trigger. Although I want to get married and have kids one day, the discussions of such a commitment give me serious anxiety to the point where I cannot breathe. I want us to travel the world before trying, tying the knot, but she's too attached to her job. My family says I am too young to get married, and at 27, that if I need counseling now before even proposing, things will only get worse when we have a mortgage and kids. My therapist says contemplating marriage should be super exciting and happy, but all I feel is trapped. I love her, and living with her is fun, but marrying her feels like doom. She says I'm stringing her along without a timeline as she's pushing 30. But I'm almost I, honest, I cannot guarantee if and when I'll be ready. Do I propose with a five-year engagement? Um, ooh, I think... Are you too young to get married at 27? No, that's not true. Uh, do you love her? Maybe. Maybe you're worried that you just won't find somebody else. But I gotta tell you something, ma'am. You feel like you're... I think if you're if you're going to get married and have these types of regrets then I just don't think you should get married. And if that I mean honestly or you could be like, "Hey, let's give it 5 years. Let's give it 5 years and um travel the world." But she's like, "I don't want to. I want to I'm I'm stuck to my job." It's like, "All right, I get it. Um you want to see the world." Um or maybe you can do it now. It just, it seems like you want to see the world now. She doesn't. She wants to work. She wants to get married now. You want to wait. It's like, you know what? Maybe you, maybe you guys should take a big vacation together. This is a good thing. Take a vacation together and see a big, like a two-week solid somewhere awesome. Propose that. Go there and see how you two interact. If she's constantly thinking about work and all that other garbage while she's truly out on like an expensive vacation, which basically forces you to have a good time, uh, but she's still focused on other shit, and you're uh, then okay at that point, um, it, it's not gonna work. It's just, I mean, it's gonna be a tragic fail, but it's gonna fail nonetheless. Yeah, I would just, I would, I would pull out. I get it. I know things are expensive right now. I know there's health, there's travel restrictions and blah, blah, blah. You want to see the world? I get it. A lot of people are doing it. I just know a couple that literally fucking went off to Italy for two weeks. So try something like that and see how you two bond over over that and then go from there. Then you'll know whether or not you truly should get married or wait or whatever. But make a decision. Um, let's do Let's do one more. I'm wondering when a manager should get involved in personal dispute between two employees that has nothing to do with work. Well, if the personal dispute is at work, then you get involved. If the personal dispute is outside of work, you don't get involved. Um, Rob is a relative of someone who was murdered. He changed after that. He lives alone, doesn't celebrate holidays. I'm kind of the same way. Um, and wants to go through the motions and be left alone. He has been vocal in his personal, not work life, about there being no justice for victims. Jane is a newer employee. I don't know how she found out about Rob's family because he doesn't talk about it at work, but she thinks he needs to forgive the perpetrator and fight for prisoner rights to fix the prison system. Well, if she, how did she find out about it if he doesn't talk about it at work? After she told him this a few times, Rob now avoids Jane as much as possible. I would too. Other employees are enabling Rob by dealing with Jane on his behalf. 
on a conundrum is that all the work is getting is all, all the work is getting done. Rob has not been hostile towards Jane and he just avoids her and no one has complained or brought forward concerns about any of it. As a manager, should I be dealing with Rob's situation or should I leave this alone because it is a personal conflict? Um, your employers your employees are work related look you can always ask an employee is there anything that I, I you need to talk about or is there anything i can help you with is there any problems or you just want to go through the motions um or is there somebody you need to talk to because at the end of the day you want employees you want good employees you want healthy employees you want happy employees you know you want well compensated employees you want employees who do their job it seems like this rob guy does his job seems like he's really upset about somebody in his in his family who was murdered um it seems like he has a long road to recovery and he doesn't talk about it well you don't want to talk about that at work you definitely don't you don't want to talk about your personal problems at work you just don't you don't okay if it's an immediate thing it's an immediate thing then you have to explain to your boss i'm leaving work because of this bullshit or whatever but if it's something like this, it's best not to it's best not to bring it up at work. Um, just handle it. You're going to work to work. I don't know how Jane found out about this, but as far as I'm concerned, Jane needs to shut her fucking mouth. Period. Jane doesn't want does not want this fight. Um, it's one she'll lose. Rob needs to seek some type of you know treatment as far as like talking to somebody or uh, finding a new hobby or a passion. Because he, he, at the end of the day, he is an employee, and you want your employees to feel fulfilled or, or whatever, or just feel like they are getting the treatment that they want when they work there. And that is kind of it. I mean, I get it. They're they're, coexi they're not coexisting. They just work at the same place, and he avoids her. Um, doing that is not always easy. Eventually, it does come to a head with one, one employee leaving or both employees leaving or um, the vibe going you know reverberating throughout the office it's it can become a mess um so yeah let's do one more how can i get my sister to stop posting about my miscarriage on social media you tell the bitch to shut the fuck up uh my husband and i are gutted we had a marriage three miscarriage three weeks ago very sad still is relieved if you can call it that we lost the pregnancy early that it wasn't a few people knew about it but just my mother my sister my best friend i thought we'd give you in private but my sister is telling people about my miscarriage what the fuck that literally is a medical a private medical situation what the fuck is your stupid fucking sister doing she says that she has the right to post whatever she wants. No, she doesn't, particularly if it's medical care I received that may be threatened in some states. No, it ain't. It's actually a breach. See, if you tell her it's one thing, if she posts on her work, that's a met, that's a, that's like a fucking, that's legit, like that's an actual problem. Uh, I'm furious that she's broadcasting my tragedy. I want her to stop, but I don't have the strength to fight her with her now. Um yeah, it's a serious relationship jeopardized. Like you're definitely jeopardizing a relationship. You can report something like that because it's actually it's an, it is an invasion of privacy. That needs to stop. What she's doing is a hundred percent wrong. A hundred percent. You didn't get you didn't give her permission to post it. Therefore, she shouldn't post it. End of fucking story. End of fucking story. And miscarriages are technically protected. So, miscarriages, Plan B. Uh, eptopic pregnancies, I believe, are all protected right now. So, uh, that being said, sister, shut it.
We are at 57 minutes. We're going to close up shop for today. Thank you guys for listening, watching, and subscribing. Uh, if you have questions, concerns, or comments, you can email me through my website, positivesarcasm.com. Go to the contact section. You can also uh, contact me directly, positivesarcasm at outlook.com. And you can just put the subject podcast or you have a question or something like that. If it goes in the junk mail, don't worry about it. I actually I go through the junk mail section as well. Okay? And if you have any other questions, concerns, or video, video editing advice or anything like that, I'm more than willing to help. Uh, in the meantime... Let me get this stupid second monitor out of here. Man, I feel like I've been running on 70% lately. But at least I don't have monkeypox. In the meantime, uh, you can find me, this, you find this on U, uh, video version, YouTube, Rumble, Facebook.com slash POR Sarcasm. As far as audio, Google, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podcast Addict, Spotify, uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere where podcasts are available, Anchor, and all the other randos. Pick an app. I'm on there. Thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. And I'll talk to you all next week. Recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation. R.I.P. Vin Scully. Black cats. White cats. All my Sif cats. Look out!